0: You're listening to The Front Lines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. Before we go into our main discussion, I'd like to share a voicemail I received last week. If you listened to episode three, you'll remember my discussion with Tara Yanis about adaptive mountain biking. During our chat, Tara shared a story about a young boy named Lucas. Well, Lucas was kind enough to leave me a message to share with you. Lucas. I'm eight years old. I've been riding bikes since I was two years old. Since my accident, I've been riding my hand cycle everywhere I can. It is important to me to have signs so I know what trails my hand cycle
1: can fit down.
0: Thanks for sharing that with us, Lucas. I think that Lucas brings up a great point. When it comes to barrier-free trails, signage is crucial. Imagine riding a trail only to find halfway down that you don't fit. If you want to share your thoughts on any of the discussions featured on the show, or maybe even you want to start a new discussion, the best way is to send me an audio file, and you can email me at brent at Now, without any further ado, I'm Brent Hillier. Welcome to Episode 5 of Frontlines. As a mountain biker, you may not be surprised to hear that some trail names are, for lack of a better word, colorful. But for a moment, imagine yourself as a trail runner or hiker, or even your average everyday person just taking their dog out for a walk. Now you're no longer a mountain biker and you may not be as forgiving or understanding of colorful language or antics that a certain percentage of the mountain bike population see as normal. Now, how would you feel about coming across a trail sign that read Squaw Hollow? That's exactly what happened to my next guest while she was out running. Carrie Karsgaard has become a voice for changing offensive trail names in Kelowna, British Columbia. You may have read her blog or heard or read her story on the CBC. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the show. Hi. So you wrote a blog post called uh, Trails Against Humanity, which I I love the reference, by the way. And and the subtitle of that was uh, what Kelowna's trail names have to do with reconciliation. What was the reason for writing this blog?
1: Well, the reason I wrote this blog is a number of weeks ago, I was running on a local trail and I discovered a trail name called Squaw Hollow. And the name struck me because I'm a little bit familiar with the background of the word squaw, which I even hesitate to use on this show because it's a discriminatory term for Indigenous women. And I was surprised by the trail name and kind of casually mentioned it to the people that I was trail running with and got a a casual response along the lines of, well, you know, mountain bikers, we love our politically incorrect trail names and kind of a chuckle over the name. And... I couldn't get over, I couldn't get over the name of the trail. I just kept thinking about it and thinking that this this shouldn't be a trail name here in Kelowna, on public land and a space that is shared amongst all kinds of people, including Indigenous people. And um, I tried to think about what I could do about it, and that's how I ended up writing this blog post.
0: So, you know, there's this isn't the only thing that that has the name. Squaw in it, you know the 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 big famous one is the Squaw Valley ski hill in California, and and if an entire ski hill can can use the word, then then why can't certain bike trails use that word? You know why why is that uh, not appropriate?
1: Well, I I guess I would argue that maybe that ski hill should also rename itself too, um, just because one word is used in one place and is generally accepted there. That doesn't mean it should be, I guess. And there are places in the U.S. that are renaming currently and the state of Maine has even outlawed the word squaw on any kind of public names within the whole state. And so I think maybe it's something that is starting to be questioned and may end up one day being questioned on the ski hill. But as far as Kelowna is concerned, this is our community and I would love to be a part of creating a community that's Recognizes the people that are here, including the indigenous people, um, the Okanagan peoples that make up our community.
0: What do you say to people who say that squaw isn't offensive? So, some, some might say that squaw means uh, the totality of, of being female, and, and it's the Algonquin version of, uh, of the word esque, you know, and, and that it just translates, it, it doesn't translate to, to anything offensive, but just simply a, a woman.
1: Yeah, I've read some histories of the word squaw, which point to a couple of languages, including the Algonquin language. And it's true that words can have sort of an original meaning or a sort of a literal meaning, but they also take on meaning in other ways and evolve throughout time. And so the word squaw has evolved over time in conjunction with violence towards Indigenous women. And so if you do a little bit of digging, you can find out that the word is linked towards linked with discriminatory attitudes towards Indigenous women, as well as all kinds of violence towards them, including the high numbers of missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada, and then also their treatment sometimes through the legal system, which doesn't always recognize them as human in the full sense of the term.
0: Who has the right to name these trails?
1: There's an added layer to the issue of having a name like Squaw Hollow on a trail system that's on crown land because the crown land here in Kelowna is actually unceded territory which means the land itself if you really go back far enough belongs to the indigenous people of the Okanagan and was never signed over to the Canadian government with the treaty and so in, in some ways we've already overwritten this land with the city of Kelowna and the trail systems that we have here. And then it's an added dig, I suppose, to stick a discriminatory name on that trail system when that land itself belongs to those very indigenous people that we're referring to in, in a derogatory manner. One of the main arguments about, that I received in response to the blog was, well, we built these trails this is our trail system, this idea of sweat equity, that I worked hard on these trails, I can name it whatever I want, um, that I've sort of established my ownership over these trails. While that is a very colonial approach to the land, um, and it doesn't recognize that that land actually isn't ours, that it was owned by someone else, well, not owned, but lived upon by someone else that didn't claim it and own it in the same way.
0: Mountain biking has a, has a history of, of inappropriate names and, and, you know, some, some famous ones, famous trails that kind of come to mind are, are, are things like Severed D uh, and C Buster, which obviously I'm, I'm censoring those ones a little bit, but you know, where is this, this line Uh, you know, what's next as far as trail names? And I think a lot of people are kind of asking like, well, if we go down this road, what's the next trail name that has to be changed?
1: I don't know that I'm the authority on all kinds of trail names, but I think we maybe this is an ongoing conversation that the trail community needs to have. Um, this name that I wrote my blog post about specifically is a sort of, um, and I wrote it in the context of reconciliation because it is a, a really important issue right now and something that we, as we as Canadians are really starting to address on multiple levels, through namings of city streets and namings of mountains, like Tunnel Mountain and Bounce is potentially going to be renamed to an Indigenous name. And so there is a whole sort of movement right now to recognize the Indigenous part of our population and and how naming can either recognize or dehumanize those people. And so I think that that, that is sort of one side of the conversation. Um, it sounds like you're getting at another side which is maybe a bit of a, a slippery slope argument <laughs> that if we um challenge one name then we're going to sort of spoil everyone's fun and take away all of the fun we have with with names. But I think we need to really think about the implications of our names, whether it's um they're they're racialized or whether they're sexist or Um, what have you, and have those conversations in the context of our communities and what those names mean. And um, so I I think that that's a a conversation that we need to have as communities and and acknowledging that what might not be a problem for one person doesn't mean that that name is acceptable. So I think sometimes when, when we're in a position of privilege, as I know I in many ways am, things that that don't harm me or are not offensive to me, that doesn't mean those things aren't problematic. it might mean just that I'm blind to them, and so I do my best to recognize oh where am, what am I missing here? How am I not seeing how this this name or this term might be offensive or discriminatory to someone else? and I think it's um, within within the scope for, for other people to call those things to our attention, to draw them to mind, to say, you know what, this is, no, this isn't acceptable. This is exclusive or this is discriminatory. And then for me to listen and think, oh, just because I hadn't recognized that before doesn't mean it's not true. Um, I think it's easy when things don't impact us, don't, maybe the name doesn't impact me, that doesn't mean it's not a big deal. Does that make sense?
0: yeah absolutely so so what have you done who have you who have you gone to about uh, potentially changing the name of this trail
1: i When I first saw the trail name, I thought about just taking the line down to be honest. I thought this nobody runs this trail. The name is actually on a set of trails that is not. Sanctioned. It's on Crown land, and it's currently in the process of becoming a sanctioned trail system, but it's not right now, so there's nothing stopping me from taking the sign down, and I might at this point, um, but I didn't originally because I thought that this could be a way to open a conversation in our community about trail names which is why I wrote the blog, to get some conversation going. And I think that conversation happened um, through social media, through the news, those kinds of things. And so at this point, I I think I or any other person could go take those signs down. Um, but of course, the next step is renaming and what happens next. And um, the trail society that manages or is going to manage this trail system once it becomes sanctioned is fully aware and was aware even before I wrote my blog post that these names need to change. And so in that sense, I haven't really spurred that change, and I didn't need to. I wanted to open up a conversation about discriminatory attitudes towards Indigenous women, and but the, the trail builders are... Already know that those trail names need to change, and that's part of their plans for the system. Um, so I don't know how they'll ch- change the names. That, in and of itself, is a totally different issue, um, because naming, as you know, is power. The idea that we can name something means that we can sort of assert ownership over it and, you know, create an atmosphere around it and a community around it. And so how the trail society goes ahead with naming is up to them. But I hope that they'll remain open to the meanings of the trail names, maybe do some community consultation about the trail names as a way to sort of um, acknowledge the multiple people that have stakes in this land and that are part of our community.
0: How can people find your blog?
1: Uh, my blog can be found at com So it's French, spelled E-L-L-E-T-O-U-C-H-E-L-A-T-E-R-R-E dot com.
0: Awesome. Well, Carrie, I just wanted to thank you for, for taking the time and and, uh, and having this discussion and, and also just originally spurring on this discussion. I think it's really important and, and I'd like to add some other people to this and uh, and keep this dialogue moving. But but for now, I just want to say thank you for, for taking the time to chat with me.
1: Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for contacting me.
0: Before I bring on our second guest, I'd like to add another voice to the discussion. Last episode, we spoke to Patrick Lucas of the Aboriginal Youth Mountain Bike Program. If you missed it, then I encourage you to check out episode four called Digging for Reconciliation. After my interview with Kerry, I sent Patrick a copy and he was kind enough to forward this message.
2: Place names are something that uh, is really important to a lot of First Nation communities. It's, it's often one of the first things that they start talking about in terms of reasserting their presence uh, in their traditional territories and reconnecting with their lands is they start talking about what were the names, the original names that they had in their language for all the natural areas, the natural features, the mountains, the lakes, and the rivers. And going through that process and uh, reconnecting with those names that they had given to those areas is a really important part of their decolonizing process and way of reconnecting, reconnecting to their traditional territories. And I think it can be a very important part of reconciliation is for communities to come together and start reasserting those names. Uh, and a really good example of that within the trails in the mountain bike community is with the Souk Nation uh, on the south of Vancouver Island. Uh, a few years ago, during a mountain bike symposium, the Souk Nation uh, signed a pre-treaty settlement agreement for uh, an area on a mountain called Broom Hill, which is ironically named after an invasive weed that was introduced by the English. And it had also become a very popular mountain bike area. Well, when the suit signed that treaty agreement, there was kind of a moment there where everybody was unsure of what was going to happen. And it was during the symposium when the chief, Gordon Planus came and spoke uh, to the the mountain bike community there. uh, And he talked about how important that mountain was to his people, and how they call it Sacred Mountain. Um, He didn't have a word for it in his traditional language, but they all referred to it as Sacred Mountain. Um, And immediately, the mountain bike community rallied around that. Everyone stopped calling it Broom Hill, and they started calling it Sacred Mountain. And it was a really great way for the community to show to uh, Chief Planus and the Sioux people that they were prepared to Acknowledge and understand the importance of that, uh, and to show that they could, they wanted to be able to be on that land in a respectful way, and it was the the best possible way that you could, in terms of starting that conversation. And so now around the province, one of the things I always do is encourage people to look at that. Where can we reincorporate those names and pay respect to that tradition uh, and and that history? And I think it could be a really important part of deepening the understanding that we have of the areas that we ride. You know, riding Sacred Mountain means a lot more to everybody involved than, say, riding Broom Hill. And I think that can be a really important part of uh, encouraging reconciliation between these communities moving forward.
0: Thanks, Patrick. My final guest is the president of the Mountain Bikers of the Central Okanagan. If you listen to the first episode of Front Lines, then you're already familiar with Jay Darby. Welcome back to the show, Jay. Uh,
3: thanks for having me again, Brent. It's good to talk yeah. to you once more.
0: So the particular trail that started this discussion is, is located in Gallard. And, and right now, Gallard, uh, Gallard's in Kelowna, BC, and, and MTB Co. Is, is located in Kelowna, but, but MTB Co. doesn't currently manage these trails.
3: Uh, yeah, that's correct. So currently they're, they're essentially illegal or, or an unformalized trail network. And then we have a pending Section 57 application that we should have buttoned up uh, pretty quick, which will allow us the ability to maintain and manage the trail network to the provincial standard. And then we'll be the organization responsible for you know uh, navigational signage and, and trail network mapping and that kind of thing.
0: So is it safe to say that uh, that you and MTB Code weren't necessarily blindsided by by Carrie's blog and this discussion? Uh,
3: it definitely, it's it's you know it's, it's essentially what we already knew was was a discussion that either needed to happen or that you know may come up, and at the same time we also knew the trail names needed to be changed, the ones that were socially or culturally unacceptable or, or insensitive to, to groups of people. We understood as an organization that this was a process that was going to happen to change these names. Uh, we didn't necessarily expect you know a public reaction to them before we started to change them.
0: Are you able to just read for me the the post that uh, that was on the MTV Go Facebook page?
3: Yeah, for sure. So this is our uh, response officially as an organization to Carrie's original article that we, you know, as much as we weren't expecting that to happen when it did happen, you know, we agree it's a conversation that definitely needs to, to move forward probably in our industry. So this is our, our canned response was as an advocacy group, we sometimes have to participate in tough conversations. That is the road we must walk. For those of you who are not aware, a very well-written article has recently called attention some of the socially and culturally insensitive trail names in Gallard. The following is the MTB Co position on appropriate trail names as it applies to our efforts to legalize Gallard. MTB Hill represents a community, not individuals, and we believe the mountain bike community to be an open and inclusive one. As such, numerous trail names within the Gillard Trail Network have been previously identified with the board as being unacceptable for a formalized trail network. Installing safety and directional signage is one of the first requirements of the partnership agreement we'll be entering into with Rec Sites and Trails BC. Once our application is complete, the board intends to include in that step an initiative to rename socially and culturally insensitive trail names through a process that engages both the mountain bike community and the trail builders. Uh, we look forward to managing a network that promotes our sport in a positive and empowering way encourages an open and inclusive mountain bike community.
0: Yeah, so it, it sounds like steps are, are being taken. Um, why why can't MTB Code just go up there and, and change the signs right now?
3: So this is part of the conversation that got a little uh, convoluted in the social media discussion and then through the interview I did with CBC uh, in, here in Kelowna is we chose to... We were informed by Rec Sites and Trails that we, as part of this process, we should discontinue any work we were doing or any work that trail builders were doing in Gallard. So we approached the trail builders, asked them to stop doing work. We didn't do any you know, like maintenance or any sort of, you know, remediation of trails in the area for the entirety of this new section 57 process. Um, And then as part of that, we also knowing that the trail names needed to be changed, we didn't go up and remove the signage that's there because we also didn't want to, you know, enter into that discussion with the trail builders who who would have put those signs up originally until we actually had legal standing to manage, you know, and run the trail network. We felt that having that legal standing to do it was going to be the bridge to which we could discuss with the trail builders, the inappropriateness of some of the names that are up there.
0: Why is it so important to, to change the trail names?
3: From my perspective, and I think from the perspective of the people in the club, it's important that we portray a positive image to the community at large. And it's important that we are open and inclusive to, you know, all creeds, cultures, and, and et cetera. It's important that we don't, you know, discriminate or marginalize people. We don't want to participate in that kind of of, of language if, it, if it's going to, inhibit people from enjoying the trail network or enjoying the wilderness that we share with everybody,
0: you know, is there a line, um, you know, is there, is there an edginess that we can still keep with the sport? You know, I think, I think a big part of, of what is perhaps appealing to a lot of people in, in the mountain bike world is, is that it's a little rough around the edges. I mean, (laughs) that that might even be described as, as its brand, if you will. And, and as we start to kind of go down the path of, of becoming more accessible and, and we start to adjust some of the trail names out there. Are we going to lose that brand or do you think that there's space for, for both of those objectives?
3: Um, you know, I think there's space for the mountain bike community to be open and inclusive of, of all people while still remaining you know a, a renegade activity or, or you know a, a a fringe sport if we want to you know still frame ourselves as that but I think it's important that we you know the key for me is we don't want to discriminate against other people you know political correctness is a is something that if there's a a, a scale of political correctness I think you know being funny and having you know, innuendo and stuff in trail names is, is fun to a point as soon as it starts to discriminate against people or marginalizes a group of people, you know, as soon as you start to get into that power relationship thing where where we're taking power away from somebody by, by using like really inappropriate names, I think it's important. We don't, or we, we look at ourselves and go, we don't want to do that because we want to encourage everybody to participate in Hmm. mountain biking.
0: So, so, who do you think has the the right to rename these trails?
3: Um, that's a loaded question, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as when we entered into the Section fifty seven agreement, uh, with with Forest Lands and Natural resource Operations, essentially that gives us the ability to manage the trail network, which includes directional signage, uh, you know, uh, maintenance, upkeep of the of the trail bed, and that type of thing, which includes placing names upon the trail, saying this trail is named this, this na- trail is named that. And as I said in our kind of blanket statement, I think that it's important that if we do change trail names, we, we keep as many as as we can that were originally there, and that if we have these trail names that are socially and culturally inappropriate, that we rename them in a way that includes the community at large or the mountain bike community you know and the trail builders we want to include everybody in that process to the extent that we are able to you know i wouldn't call it a right to name i'd say it's a you know it's a responsibility to to name the trails you know we got to we got to call them something yeah
0: you know this this kind of sounds like it's even a little bit bigger than than just these trail names right like we're the, the trail names are offensive and, and I think most people can can agree on that, mm. but it, it kind of sounds like this is a, a discussion that's bigger than just offensive trail names. This is, this is a discussion about the sport itself and, and where we're at uh, as the sport of mountain biking.
3: I, I think that it touched upon that. Like we we got there, uh, especially in the social media conversation that happened on our Facebook page and on individuals, like my personal Facebook page, people who commented that are in the industry in Kelowna uh, on this article and on uh, you know this position MTB Co took on this article that we agreed with. What was being said, some people look down upon that and they brought up, yeah, the slippery slope and political correctness. And, you know, well, these are just inside jokes. And, you know, how does the outside community have a right to criticize the mountain bike community's inside jokes? I think that's the wrong way to look at it. As I said, you know, I really it's important as a as a community or as an industry that we look inward on ourselves and realize that the things we do impact how other people in the community at large see us. And it was, I think we, I talked to you about this earlier, uh, not in this uh, conversation, but earlier on on the side, is that Dirt Rag put out a really good article called The Industry is at a Crossroads, Where Will We Take It From Here? A A presidential speech for the bike industry, the same week that this stuff happened here in Gillard and Kerry's article came out. And it was kind of a call to action in the States of of how do we make our industry relevant in the modern era if we are just a bunch of renegade, you know, ragtag, you know, mostly male, mostly white guys hanging out in the bush and we want to be taken seriously and we want funding for trails and we want access to the wilderness, I think we need to behave in a manner that that allows the community at large to, to look at us in a positive light. They, they want to help us, you know, get trails built. They want to help us legalize trail networks, that type of thing.
0: Yeah. And the, the article that you're speaking about, it was it, it kind of talked to spoke against the whole broification was kind of mm-hmm. the, the word that it used. Yeah. Right. And and how that was almost, you know, this this club, uh, an, an exclusive club. Hmm. And, uh, and, and I mean, you said it right there, a largely male and a largely white group as well. And, and it's important to kind of expand and, and, uh, and diversify a little bit.
3: I think so. You know, I would, I would hope that the mountain bike community would reflect, you know, the mix of culture and people that is the community at large. And, you it's very obvious when you go to a trailhead that it doesn't. I mean, middle aged white males are your average mountain biker. There's a larger push to get women into mountain biking. It's awesome. You do see lots of kids out there, but it's still any given trailhead in BC. I've ridden in Colorado, I've ridden in Utah. You know, it's middle aged white males. And I, I don't, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that inherently, but I think it's, It's, you know, it behooves the industry to look at itself and go, why is that? Why are more people not coming to our industry? Is it because of the way we portray ourselves and the things we do, like having inappropriate trail names, you know, like the bro attitude that we that we portray out through the media, whether it's, uh, you know, things like the Red Bull like Rampage or the movies that have come out. I think there was a push to some more, you know you know, flow riding and more adventure riding is coming through the media now. And that is probably opening the industry up to a larger group of people, I think.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, I hesitate to, to, to discuss this topic even more, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, you know, no. it's two white guys talking about yeah. diversity and, yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe we're not the best to, to talk about this, but, but what, what can we do? What, what can we as mountain bikers, we as a mountain bike community do to, to try to become more diverse and to, and to try to open this sport up to everyone.
3: I think it's, it's looking at our actions, looking at at how we portray ourselves, how we behave, you know, is is there something we're doing that is, that is keeping other people away at the same time? You know, I don't think we're, I don't think we're doing necessarily a lot wrong. Perhaps maybe we're just not doing things, you know, in a, in a light, you know, that that's positive. Maybe I, I'm not really sure what we can do. Um, I just think we need to talk about it basically. Like when it comes down to it is we need to just as a community kind of sit down and go, is there something we can do or are we doing something wrong?
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's what, what Carrie's blog did such a great job of is, is Mm -hmm. really just kickstarting this discussion. I think that's, that's where we're at right now. Yeah.
3: I think that's the important the important kind of step to take now is, is to continue the discussion and, and have it as an industry or as a mountain bike community at large, not just in one area, but in at large, can we, you know, can we do something? Can we, can we change our ways? And and I think we should want to, I don't think there's anybody that would argue that we don't want more people to mountain bike. I, I enjoy mountain biking. You like mountain biking. I would love everybody to have the same feelings about it that I do. Um, and if we're doing something that, that creates an atmosphere that other people don't want to participate in it, I think that's a, a bad thing.
0: Awesome. I, that's, that's really well said, Jay. I, you know, and I think, uh, thank you for, for just taking the time to, to chat with me and, and, and kind of really, I think cap off this, this whole discussion for, for this yeah. episode. I think, uh, I think it's an important topic and I think we're, we're kind of really at the beginning of, of doing something about it. And I think the discussion's just the first part, so. Mm-hmm,
3: for sure, Brent. And I'm glad to, to be here to talk about it. And I'd be happy to keep the conversation going, of course. <laughs> cool. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, Jay. For sure, no problem, man. Take care. You too.
0: Thank you to all of my guests, Carrie Carsgard and Jay Darby. And a big thank you to both Lucas and Patrick for adding to the conversation today. Once again, huge thanks to Lee Rosevere for our podcast music and the song, Tech Toys. If you'd like to interact with the show, then please do so. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at brentskybikeski, or you can send me an email at brent at If you haven't already, please rate us and leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. It helps others find the show. This will be the last episode for 2016. So have yourself a great holiday and we'll see you in 2017. I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening and happy trails.